And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Stop it! Disenfranchised by the modern comics industry, producer Paul Spitaro, Dr. Bill Robinson, and Scott H. Gardner now ply the time stream in a never-ending quest to rediscover and reconnect with that unique brand of fun and excitement that can only truly be found in good old-fashioned, randomly selected comic book back issues. Journey with them now. Back. Back. To the bins. I got nowhere else to go. I got nowhere else to go. I got nothing else. Hello and welcome to Back to the Bins. I'm Paul Spitaro, and this time out I am joined by Mr. Chris Tyler. What's up, Chris? Good. Hey, how you doing, Paul? I'm doing good with getting together early on a Sunday morning to take a look at a couple of comics just for your listening pleasure. Ah, uh, yes. Well, not yours, theirs. You know, those other people who are sitting there uh, looking in at us right now. They're looking? I'm not wearing underwear. <laughs> well, that's why we call you Commando Chris. <laughs> yes. So it's been, it hasn't been that long since you've been on an episode but it's been a really long time since you did a sleepwalker corner. That That is true. That is true. I Like I keep saying, if I the sooner I get through them, the less likely I'll be invited out of the show, so i got to space them out. Well, since the last one, you've probably been on like five times, so I don't think you got to worry about not being on. These are the things that, that concern me in my sleep. Paul, this is what I think of. This is what should, I think of. You should be more concerned about the fact that you're not wearing underwear. <laughs> Oh, that's not a problem. It's only a problem for other people. Yeah, that is true. Okay. Fair enough. So uh, <laughs> just, you know, to, to touch on that, isn't, isn't there something going on in the sleepwalker world right now that bears mentioning before we talk about uh, that? Yes. Yes, there is. The Marvel Legends line of action figures are doing a sleepwalker figure. This is his first uh, official figure in any capacity, I believe. Uh, they're tying it to the Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness figure wave. Uh, it, it does not look like he will be in the movie. Um, it's just they always throw in a couple of comic book characters in each one of those lines. I got really excited, but then I looked at the trade dress on the box, and it, it just says Marvel's Sleepwalker. It does not have the, the branding for Multiverse of Madness, but who knows? You never know. I mean, if he's in the movie, it probably would be a... You know, cameo of some sort. I can't imagine That's he'd be featured. Fine. But that would be very cool. Yeah. yeah would. would also be a potential uh, boost for the people making the Sleepwalker. Uh... Oh, they, they are making a second one, aren't they? I believe the so. Film? I, I believe so. I did reach out to uh, to, to Josh, who's uh, who's spearheading that whole thing, when the, when I got the news about the figure and, and forwarded on the Amazon link. <laughs> Uh, for the figure, I really haven't heard much from him other than him saying that's amazing. So, but uh, yeah, I did. I got the notification on this from one of my my buddies, and I I pre-ordered it. <laughs> I had to. <laughs> he's, you know, I mean, he's a pretty cool looking character design. Yes. So, you know, you, you, as long as it's a character you're into, I don't see why you wouldn't want to pre-order it. 
because you know it, it's just cool looking. Yeah, yeah, it is. I'm uh, I'm excited to actually have an official uh, official figure of that of, of one of my favorite characters to put on my shelf with all the other crap that I've collected in my life. You're speaking to the <laughs> you're speaking to, to to a true believer on that, so no uh, issue there. Because even even you know not being nearly the Sleepwalker fan you are, when you sent me a picture of it, I'm thinking, ooh, that looks cool. Where would yeah, I put I, that? <laughs> yeah, I mean the other thing is I, the build a figure for that wave is uh, like a big werewolf guy that's in the movie apparently he's a a dr strange character and uh i don't i'm not too familiar with him but uh i might have to get the whole line just so i can make that giant werewolf monster i I did hear that they're doing something with with werewolf by night but that it's not going to be jack russell uh i don't i don't know anything about where i would i imagine that would probably be under the sony banner it's considered a spider-man character right i don't think so Uh, i don't know no, this is this is a, a magical uh, guy that's going to be working with Doctor Strange in the movie. Apparently, there's a blink and you miss it in the the trailer that came out when there's like a big explosion at the uh, the magic school there in Camertage or wherever they are. It's it, it's like a high angle, but it's there's definitely a big monstery werewolf guy. So <sighs> yeah, I, I don't know. You know, when they've said that there's going to be some sort of a werewolf thing in in the Marvel in the MCU. I don't know if that's what they were talking about or if there was something, you know, something yeah, I mean, more, more in-depth planned. I don't know. I mean, they're gearing up for stuff. I mean, we're getting a Morbius movie, however tangentially related that is, and we're getting Moon Knight and we're getting Blade. So, I mean, it's not a far cry for them to try to do some version of the the Darkstalkers or the uh, the the macabre version of the, the Marvel Universe and the in the properties. So. Well, Moon Knight premiered or first appeared in Werewolf by Night. So if they're doing, yeah. you know, if they're doing Moon Knight, they may, that may be where we'll, where we'll see our Werewolf by Night character. But, you know, <laughs> I'm kind of torn on the one hand, you know, Jack Russell is a silly name. And I think when they named the character for the comics, people were not as aware of the breed of dog, the Jack Russell Terrier. Uh, he's, he's also the lead singer of Great White, so I guess it's you know if it's 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 a real name, you know what are you yeah, gonna but do? It's, but it's you know because of the the breed of the dog, it's a little silly. On the other hand, it is what we had in Marvel, so I'd rather they stayed true to that and have that than than come up with some other name or some other character. You know, it's it's silly even that I'm concerned look, about look, that. To be honest with I've, you. I've suffered through three taupe-colored Batman movies from Christopher Nolan, and now they're going to do another dishwater-colored Batman movie. So, like, please, put as much actual stuff from the comics in these things as possible. That's I'm okay the, with that. That's the thing. I, I prefer I prefer that they try to be as true to the comics as they can. On the other hand, as far as the MCU goes, you know, pretty much the changes they've made haven't bothered me when they've made them. Uh, you know, to this point, no, I'm I'm pretty cool with with what they've done. So yeah. In in particular, actually, uh, my son and I have been watch- we've been doing an, another Marvel uh, MCU re- uh, watch through, and uh, we're, we're right now we just finished we just finished uh, Spider Man Homecoming. So uh, next, next on the list is Ragnarok. Uh, all right. But you know, it it made me think like having seen like the Falcon and uh, the Vulture. 
in in recent times and how they've kind of recreated the the looks of those characters from the comics because in the comics they weren't nearly as mechanical as they no. are in, in in the movies uh and it's you know i mean it was a pretty significant change in the way the characters are presented and yet it felt okay like it didn't bother me at all well i mean for here's the thing like you, you don't have all the time that you have for 50 years of publication so I, I got no problem with changes that make sense. Making Sammy a veteran who totally understands what Steve's going through. As opposed to that, Snap Wilson from Harlem, who used to be a parent. Yes. <laughs> Which, you know what, and if that's how they had done it, that would have been fine too. But I, that, I don't know if that would have worked quite as well with with the Steve Rogers and Natasha Romanoff that we got in the movie. So, And, and I, I love the MCU version of Sam. So, Oh, yeah. Oh, he's been great. But, yeah. You know, but that, that's that's my point. Is so far the changes they've made have been all acceptable as far as I'm concerned. Whereas I don't know if that would always be the case with me. <laughs> you know, there, there were a lot of things where they changed, and I'm you know I have that knee jerk reaction of I want it to be similar to the way it was when I grew up. For the most part, I feel like if you have a valid reason to change it, and if you're changing it to something you know, that, that makes sense, then I'm, I'm, I'll back it. I, oh, yeah. I, I don't care for change for change's sake though. And I think sometimes, I, uh, sometimes that's what they do. I'm right. I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. I, I watching the, the Captain Marvel movie. I was like, Oh, Oh, the scrolls are being presented as the, as the good guys. I'm okay with that. I'm really enjoying this. <laughs> so. They're being presented as the good guys, but you also don't know if that's going to continue Exactly. To be I mean, their presentation. Certainly... That could turn around in a, in a heartbeat. And that's and that's fine. But in that story, the Kree were the, the oppressors and the Skrulls were the, the people on the run. And so there you go. Well, we had done, uh, we had done you know, the Celestial Madonna story, which gives kind of the history of the Krees and the Skrulls. Uh, at least the early history of it. I'm sure it's been expanded on in the uh, Marvel Universe. Oh, yeah. But, you know, in that... You know, the Krees were presented as jerks. <laughs> so Isn't that true? <laughs> I mean, they were kind of jerks in the, in the first Guardians movie. They're like, yeah, we're washing our hands of all this crap. <laughs> it's like, so, I get it. All right, so, that said, that's our, our basic comic talk for the episode. <laughs> and uh, I guess uh, let's take a look at Sleepwalker number 10. All right, Sleepwalker number 10. This was cover dated March of 92. It was on sale of January of 92, back when a fiver would get you four Marvel books, a dollar and a quarter each. The writer was Bob Budiansky. The penciler was Brett Blevins. Inker was Mike Manley. Letterer was Richard Starkings. And the colorist was Mary Javins. The title of the issue is The Hero Within. So we open on a... uh, jackbooted thug kicking in the door of some residents of uh, the part of the city where Rick Sheridan, our uh, erstwhile uh, human protagonist of the book, makes his residence. And uh, we have uh, you know, a, a Marvel-style tactical-suited person busting in looking for Sleepwalker, and they do this with a couple of background characters across the first couple of pages. Looking for Sleepwalker. So a couple of the people that Sleepwalker have, have encountered are getting a call from <clears throat> Tolliver Smith, who is the leader 
of the OIE, which is the Office of Insufficient Evidence. If that's not a Marvel acronym with a cool name, I don't know what is. <clears throat> is that a cool name? I don't know. <laughs> In all seriousness, is it just a little too, like, just a little too over-the-top ridiculous? I mean, obviously they're trying to show bureaucracy and how it works and how they kind of, like, hide, you know, what they want to do in an acronym. But it just seems like just too over the top for me. I, have you been reading this book, Paul? Yes, I have. I have. <laughs> you're, no, you're, you know, you're right. I'm going I'm to back off that comment and let you continue your review. Uh, All right. Your <laughs> so, meanwhile, Sleepwalker is brooding in Rick's mind because Rick is out and about. And he's got the old Parker luck, or should I say the old Rick Sheridan luck of I can't sleep. I might lose my, my free rent apartment because I'm not able to keep up with my chores and Yada, yada, yada. So, uh, eventually Rick falls asleep. Sleepwalker decides to step out into the real world. Uh, he does have some Frank Miller-esque commentary on the uh, snow falling, making it very still, which I kind of liked. And uh, in the meantime, the local PD, Cecilia Perez, who was in a, uh earlier issue of uh, Sleepwalker... Uh, when she kind of washed her hands of the whole sleepwalker thing going on, uh, has an encounter with Tolliver Smith of the OIE, and uh, she's not too happy about what they're doing to the citizens of the city in order to try to get sleepwalker. We get a, uh, a nice double page. Uh, it's not really, a, I can't, you can't really call it a splash because there are some uh, triangular corner panels that have some, uh, some text in them, but uh, the OIE is working on taking down sleepwalker. Uh, with their weapons, they've got some pretty cool stuff to try to fight him. They've got uh, balls that reflect, refract to, refract his warp beam and uh, some other stuff. And he has a tussle with the Office of the Insufficient Evidence. Um, Sleepwalker, kind of knowing he's kind of up against the wall, causes uh, the OIE to shoot at him to cause a big explosion. Uh, this rousts uh, Rick from his sleep. Sleepwalker disappears. Rick goes outside to check the damage. And in the mind of Rick Sheridan, Sleepwalker encounters, uh, well, Rick's inner child. <laughs> and uh, we'll get back to that in a second. Um, in the meantime, uh, Oliver Smith is being classic 90s Marvel DB villain. And, uh, you know, get a good close-up on his... His very angry face that he's dealing, having to deal with uh, all of this. And he's getting ready to round up all the citizens for a mind scan so that they can find the location of Sleepwalker. Uh, so jumping back into Rick's mind, uh, the inner child of Rick Sheridan uh, is kind of um, giving the business to Sleepwalker because Sleepwalker's kind of upset that he's in a situation where he's not really able to help as much. Um and there's some interesting uh, in-jokes and side-jokes in here where Rick's inner child is pointing out all the stuff that uh, Rick used to care about and that made him want to be a hero. And we have a very clear uh, Luke Skywalker versus Darth Vader, a very clear uh, Superman, and a very clear Indiana Jones running around and having fun in the back of Rick's mind. And uh, Rick's inner child kind of is giving the business sleepwalker saying you can't be a punk but you, you're punking out about this you, you know what you got to do right you know you're you're a hero do what you got to do so Tolliver smith in the office of 
insufficient evidence are uh, hooking people up to these really uh, creepy looking machines and it's causing them pain, which he mentions is only a side effect of the mind scan. When lo and behold, our big bad buff Sleepwalker says, uh, look no further, I'm here. Sleepwalker, now knowing the weapons that he's dealing with, uses his brain and is able to uh, make short work of the tra traps and tricks that the Office of uh, <laughs> Insufficient Evidence has for him. And uh, the battle is going well. When we get to a face-off between Sleepwalker, who just looks like he's been through hell, it's a great little drawing of him, he picks up Tolliver Smith, and he's just letting him know, hey, man, I, I'm, this, this is what it is. I'm here. I'm protecting these people. They seem to, to want me to protect them, and uh, they're on my side. And um, just like in real life, uh, somebody has to come along and say, uh, hey, Sleepwalker, I mean, yeah, yeah, you're doing the right thing, but these guys aren't going to stop until you're out of this situation. So with that being said, Sleepwalker slightly hovering above the ground as he's wont to do remands himself to the custody of the OIE he records it commander signal the following in all languages and on all frequencies we surrender yeah yeah which you know is not my favorite tack I'd rather he kirk it here but uh, these are just regular everyday people that are just going to keep getting tortured and having their their homes destroyed if he doesn't go along and the bottom banner on the last page <clears throat> it's a 90s book so you know what that means vengeance is mine saith the ghostwriter next issue so <laughs> here we go uh, you know what i didn't know what it meant because it could have also been wolverine or the punisher uh, well you know um yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> but it was but it was likely one of those three <laughs> yeah <laughs> or spider-man but we already had spider-man so yeah so you get a you know you know what i i gotta say and i was not a huge fan of some of the 90s sales tactics i've i've defended a lot of 90s books but i've also criticized a lot of them also and and my well, biggest criticism is a lot of the sales sales tactics they used uh with with guest stars and with all the different gimmicks that they did and all of that however we reached the end of this book i'm stoked i want to read the next one yeah well i mean it's look it's it's putting it's about to put sleepwalker in a situation that he hasn't been in yet which is always good for for a character and again i mean just a quick backtrack to the to the 90 sales tactics uh, it worked. I mean, it worked up until about 96, 97. Like, it, Marvel was pressing and selling all the books that they were, you know, publishing. Like, so this early on, where it's still just the early 90s before the huge boom and bust happened, th this stuff was working. Yeah, but working and being the right tact is, aren't necessarily the same thing. So, you know, I still, I still have an issue with what that particular tech did to the industry in general oh it, it, it destroyed uh, I, it <laughs> yeah I, I i think what it did is still causing problems to this day uh and and the and the industry hasn't learned because because they continue to to try and mine the same tactics and i really didn't want to make this me going off on on 
the comics industry here, but I just, you know, it, it, it is a, uh, a sensitive point as far as I'm concerned. No, I, I agree. It, 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 since the, since the bust, no, things have not been, uh, probably as, as fruitful in the right way that, as they were before this happened. But, um, and, and, and being a comic book lover, uh, it bothers me to know that the next generation just isn't going to have the same thing that we did. Now they wouldn't have anyway, because no, they wouldn't have. But uh, again, I mean, American comics, the, the you know the traditional floppies, or even the stuff now that's basically just written for the trade, which I'm not also a huge fan of. Uh, the kids today are reading more manga. Like that's just what it is. I mean, so. It, it's just the the stuff that we liked, you know, just like it went from romance and Western comics back into sci-fi and superheroes in the 60s. I mean, the kids today just are, are interested in other stuff. So kids these days, I Jesus, I can't believe I'm saying that if 10 year old me heard me saying that he'd slap me in the face. Uh, no, but you know what? I'm not saying kids these days from a perspective of uh, anything is their fault in this. I blame the industry no, for, I, for I, making I, it less accessible to them. And I have no problem with the fact that kids... My, my kids like manga. They don't really read a lot of it. My daughter reads more of it than my son. Uh, but they do watch a lot of the manga or the anime uh, shows that are inspired by manga. Uh, and I don't have a problem with that. It's another art form, and, and they're into yeah. it. I'm not really, but that's fine. Uh, I have a problem with the way they've alienated the industry as it exists. Now, the MCU, I think, has gone a long way towards bringing it back into at least the, you know, that, that children are familiar with these characters now, but they're familiar yeah. with it in a different format, and I just feel like they killed the format, and that bothers me. Yeah, I, I would I would totally agree. It seemed, it seemed like for a while things were getting kind of back on track after they realized that yeah, having the five different uh, covers and the hollow foil stamped covers, and we're throwing a trading card in here, and it's poly bet. When all that stuff had to fall by the wayside, and we were getting stuff like Identity Crisis, and it seemed like things were kind of on the right track, where it was just about the stories again. But the last ten years, I, I don't know. I, like I said, I got priced out when when books were started to hit like two seventy five, three dollars. So like I just I just can't do it. So it was, I pick up trades when I wanted to, but um, I don't know if there's anything that mainstream American comics from the big two, especially, could could get me back in. Uh, you know, I'll pick up uh, you know an indie trade here and there uh, if it's something that I'm interested in. Usually a licensed property uh, at this point, but um, yeah, I don't know. Well, I, I, I tend to quote myself a lot on this one just because I, I like the line that I gave. Uh, but, you know, I, I had a lot of books being given to me, you know, digitally for free. Yeah. Uh, and there came a point where I stopped mining that because I wasn't, you know, I, I was getting them digitally and I was putting them on my computer and I wasn't reading them because I didn't have any interest in them anymore. And, and what I said was, you know, this is an industry I've loved for 50 years and I've been following it, and I've, I've been into it, and I still love it. And yet, if what they're currently putting out, if free is too expensive for me to follow it, then that's a problem. Yeah. yeah. It, again, yeah, it just, it just comes down to interest. Um, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, if, if they 
if they decided to do a line that was, you know, if they just said, all right, here's a, we're just going to, we're just going to pick up like in 1998, like nothing ever happened and, and try to maybe do something like that. I'd probably be interested in it, but who knows how long you could even continue something like that. I know John Byrne tried to do something like that with the X-Men. And I mean, at that point, the X-Men was too much of a mess for me to even care about, <laughs> but Mm-hmm. I mean that doesn't that doesn't negate the you know the stuff from from Giant Size Number One up until about 1995 where it's like that's all gold all you know I I have the essentials for all that stuff I'll happily reread that until I die so yeah I'm in the same I'm in the same boat that's why I'm still still doing this show and still loving the books that we cover and every once in a while we'll we'll reach out and grab a, a newer book and yeah. and cover it and uh you know I I saw somebody's New Year's resolution was that they want to try and only review things that they have a positive take on it because they don't want to be a negative person. I think that's pretty cool, but I don't think that fits our format here. I think our format here is we review it, we want to try and stay so, you know, somewhat random in what we cover, and then we give an honest opinion on it. So sometimes the honest opinion is going to be negative. Yeah, I mean, that's why I like I like doing this show because it does expose me to stuff that I was not aware of, like like the book that you picked that we'll get into in a couple of minutes. But yeah, we will. Um, but yeah, let's. I think we should probably bring it back to your book a little okay, bit to talk right, about so. that because I'm I'm sorry that I'm bringing us so far no no in, into the I, get off my lawn cast. Uh, you know, at this point in my life, I don't mind a little being a little bit like <laughs> like that so well i want uh, yeah. to you know the thing is i want to i want to be i want to present positive views on positive things that i'm positive about but i want to be honest about the other stuff that's really what yeah I'm no there's too. absolutely nothing wrong with that and I, I think that's part of the reason why people tune in and again and, everybody likes different stuff and i'm never going to yuck anybody's yum so and this um, may be a little bit be a little bit misleading because as i said i finished this book i was stoked to read more i enjoyed this book this yeah, was good it's, we start yeah we start going into some real even weirder directions after this. So, um, with more guest stars, but, uh, <laughs> but, all right. Um, so I quickly, I'll just, I'll just give a quick, um, sketch of what the cover is. The corner box is sleepwalkers face in the sights of a, uh, scope. Um, and the cover itself has a very large menacing drawing of one of the OIE backed up by a few more guys. They're all carrying futuristic laser rifles of some type. And Sleepwalker is kind of translucently displayed behind them up against the wall, leering down at them while the uh, Sleepwalker badging is emblazoned across uh, the wall and his chest. The title dress is No Place to Run, No Place to Hide. Uh, My copy, my physical copy, has a Sleepwalker portrait uh, where the UPC symbol would be. Um, So in terms of uh, the cover art... Um, it's actually, I really do like this cover. I don't think it's iconic, uh, by any stretch. It's not one that I would want to put on my wall, uh, but it does actually, uh, sell what, you know, it's, it does what's on the tin in this book. It's Sleepwalker fighting a whole bunch of these guys. Um, they're not trying to fake you out at all. Um, and, uh, I mean, it, and again, it's, it's kind of the super buff Sleepwalker, which I've mentioned isn't really my favorite version of the character, uh, I put it at I put it at a it's a solid I, I can't say a C artwork for the cover I go with a C plus um, it, it's not lying to you and it does act actually convey the story that you're going to get uh, the internal art much like every issue uh, in this book um, 
is hit or miss. Uh, sometimes character models look great, especially when it's anything pertaining to the action or to Sleepwalker. Uh, the rest of it, not so much. Um, it does it does clearly convey uh, the story, at least. Um, all the stuff in, in Rick's mind and the mindscape, far more interesting, different colors, uh, more stuff to look at. Um, but again, it's uh, again, C+. Um, it's it, nothing here is going to take your breath away. Um, the renderings of the uh, the dream versions of of indie Star Wars and, and Superman are, are pretty good. Uh, you, they, they didn't really hide too much. You know exactly <laughs> what they're thinking about. Uh, Rick Sheridan's inner child, kind of creepy, not going to lie. Uh, but <laughs> what are you going to do? Um, and in terms of the story, uh, this is uh, this is great stuff. Um, this kind of it, it springs board from the kind of campy uh, Batman 66 style story we had in the last issue with Lullaby, uh, which is a you know another over the top kind of goofy, very Marvel era Stan Lee type story. Uh, this book feels significantly more modern uh, than the previous issue. Uh, real big bad guys with guns, with mech suits, um, people in peril, uh, the old the old Rick Sheridan luck going on. Um, it is a it is a more mature issue. Not that there's swearing or anything in it, but it's starting to move the narrative um, into a more serious tone for what this book is. Uh, so yeah, again, I um, I. I I grabbed I grabbed issue eleven after I read this and it started flipping through it um, and I won't spoil anything, but uh, yeah I was I was excited to to continue on with my reread of this after getting to this issue, um, so for the in terms of the story I would give it a uh, a, a an, an A minus it's not it's not world changing but for what this book needs it to be, it starts a transition to another uh, storyline so. It's exactly what a kind of middle piece should be. So, oh, yeah, overall grade. Overall grade. Uh, I, I'm going with a, a, a – I know the art should drag it down, but overall uh, this this is a uh, a solid B for me because I want to I continue on with my reread after I get to this one. I don't necessarily disagree with anything you've said, or at least not to any great extent, just some minor – tweaks i guess uh i feel like the cover you know know, we're still dealing with a character here who is not you know not in the public knowledge he's not not a character that that many people are running out to the to the newsstand and saying oh the new issue of sleepwalker is out right Uh, for that reason i feel like this cover doesn't really sell the book uh having having this you know basically you know random thug in the middle of the cover with Sleepwalker, I, I, I like the, you, the word translucent that you used to describe him because that's pretty accurate. Uh, behind him, I, I don't know that it sells the book as well as I'd want to if, you know, if I'm trying to get new people to come on board. Uh, especially, I feel like this issue does a decent job of. If you if this was the first issue pick, you picked up, I think you I think it's very accessible to you. Uh, you know, it, it kind of as it as it goes along, it explains the story to a to a great right. extent, and I think I think it, you know, you, you'd want somebody to pick it up here, and I think I get the feeling, and I've been reading this as we go along, uh, 
uh, every, every time you come on and do a new issue, I read that issue. And I, I've picked up from the, you know, from the, the dollar bins, uh, the majority of the series at this point. I'm probably only missing, I think, six issues, and they're in the later run, uh, just because I guess those aren't, those probably had a smaller print run, and they're not quite as accessible. But I'll find them at some point, and I'm sure I'll find them in the dollar bins or, yeah, or less. Uh, anyway, uh, I f- I haven't read the next issue, but I get the feeling the next issue is going to be a little bit more immersive. That you're going you know you're going to want to have a little bit more of a history going into it. So you'd you'd want your readers to pick it up at this issue if possible, and then kind of follow through, especially with the the, the you know not really cliffhanger, but especially with the ending and the promise of what's to come. I feel like you know you're you're really in a position to. To, to hook somebody here. So I think I would have tried to do something a little bit more. I think the, the character model of Sleepwalker, as we talked about when you talked about the uh, the, the action figure, uh, it, it's a really cool-looking character model. And I feel like I just want – I'd want that more front and center. I, I, you could do the same theme of this cover, but I'd want him to be a little bit more in your face than he is, even in his translucent form. Uh, so I, I, I would kind of – I think I'd switch up the the way this is laid out. Maybe do the, you know the, the same theme but change it a little bit. I just like I said, I just feel like this isn't really selling it to a new reader. Uh, that said, it's you know it's not bad. It is effective if you are reading the book. Uh, you know you're trying to figure out exactly what's going on, and it does sell what what you are getting in the story. So for the for the cover, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say a C plus. It's you know it's it's it's. It's a cool-looking cover. It's just I, I'd want to be a little bit more of a salesman with it. Fair enough. The interior yeah. art. I'm sorry, you gonna say something? No, 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 no. Go ahead. The the interior art. I I agree with you. It's it. I feel like this should bring it down. This is really very 90s-looking art, and it's not you know 90s art is not my thing so much. Uh, but it tells the story. I think the storytelling is good. The pacing is good. It's just the actual renderings that could be a little bit sharper for me. Yeah. Uh, that said, it's also supposed to be kind of a a dark story, so the muddy look isn't necessarily wrong. Uh, I don't like I don't like the way that uh, who is it Blevins? Uh, I don't I don't I really don't like the way he draws faces so much. I don't know. It's um, yeah. I mean, he definitely wants to do close ups because that's where he puts more detail in. But um, yeah, some of his expressions aren't aren't great. Um, yeah, it's it, it, unfortunately the art is is not one of the stronger parts of, of most of this run, um, but there, I mean there's some other interesting characters coming up that you, we do get to see some in, more interesting stuff with. But um, again, how how cool and and how good can you really make a bunch of faceless uh, government agents look though too? I mean, yeah, no, you know what? I, I do like the way he draws. Hair. The way he draws Sleepwalker's face is always really cool looking. So. Yes, well, it's more, probably more fun to draw. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it is. But that's not supposed to be the uh, the deciding factor. No. So, so the, you know, the art-wise, art I'm going to say because, because the storytelling is good uh, and because the pacing works out, you know, fine. And I do like the double-page spread. Uh, I like the way Sleepwalker looks in the double-page spread. Everybody else eh? So I'm, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say a C plus on the uh, art because you know it, it does the job. The story is what hooked me on this. I, I think the story is very cool. I think it really 
you know, it, it makes me want to follow along. Uh, if the artwork is a little better, I think this this would just be, you know, like really a top book here. I, I, I like the story a lot, and I like the message it's giving. I like the, uh, you know, I don't feel it's overly heavy-handed in, you know, in how it's presented. I feel like the, uh, you know, Sleepwalker is put in a position where he, where he could basically mop the floor with these people, but he gives up because he's trying to protect people. So then you yeah. wonder where it's going to go he, from He is there. a sworn protector. He is a sworn protector, so regardless of whether it's in the mindscape or the real world, you know, he's gonna stay true to himself. Yeah. So there's, there's you know, there's a lot, lot to be said on the positive side, uh, story-wise here. Uh, so, you know, overall, I, every every time we do this, I feel like at the end of the conversation, I should be saying thank you, Chris, for introducing me to the series series that I had no familiarity <laughs> at all with, and I'm really enjoying. Uh, but I'm enjoying it to the extent that I really like reading it and discussing it. I don't think I'd be as, as on board with just – well, not that I wouldn't be as on board with just reading it. I would enjoy just reading it. I would pick it up to just read it. But I'm enjoying it from this perspective more, so that's why I end up waiting. Well, well that's – hey, look, I'm happy to be your, your guide through this mysterious world of the uh... – the metaphysical, that's uh, that's A-OK with me, so. <laughs> as long as you're happy with it, so am I. Uh, very happy. So overall, I'm going to give the book, I'm going to say a B also, because I think the story really brings it up. I'm, I'm going to say it's an A story, and that that brings the book up to B, even though the artwork and the cover I'm giving C-pluses on. Fair enough. So when when we were chatting back and forth on what to cover, you were going with Sleepwalker, and I thought, I, I don't know why, but sometimes I like to go with the theme. Ain't nothing wrong with that. So I went with The Sandman, which I had recently done issue number one with uh, Professor Allen. People could look back to that. Uh, and that was, you know, when Jack Kirby was over at DC. And I'm pretty sure there was a solid year in between, uh, what you call it, in between issue one and issue two. Oh, God. And issue two was after Jack Kirby had left, oh or, or I believe it was after he left. I, I could be wrong about that. Uh, but, it was, but certainly he wasn't doing the same things that he had been doing for, for DC. Uh, and, and I started to go through this one, and I hadn't I – don't, I don't know if I honestly ever read this before. Uh, but I, I certainly I, haven't. I didn't know what version of Sandman when you said Sandman. I was like, are we getting – are we getting the game in? Or are we they they, the they have brought this character into the game in reality, I understand. Oh. But anyway, uh, I had picked up, you know, off the newsstands as a kid, I had picked up Sandman number one. And I had been, for many years, blissfully unaware that there were more issues of this. Uh, <laughs> and I enjoyed issue number one as a kid. I, I, I think I said that when we reviewed it. I think I had to blast it a little bit for what it was. But I enjoyed it as a kid. Uh, then I started to go through this one. Uh, and, and I looked at it and I was looking at the artwork and I was thinking, I'm thinking Kirby just did like some, some really, really rough layouts. And then the, the art team tried to make it look like it's traditional Kirby. And then I looked and actually Kirby did the cover, but that's the only thing he did. Yeah. Uh, the inside is, it's written by Michael Fleischer. The pencils are by Ernie Choa, who's clearly trying to do Kirby. And the inks are by Mike Royer, who was a common Kirby inker who's clearly trying to turn this into Kirby. Uh, 
there's no question, but but it just doesn't have the Kirby uh, dynamism no. that, that that I look for. Uh, so in in that respect, it falls short. But uh, I might as well give the uh, review of it here or the synopsis. This was uh, May of 1975, Sandman number two. The cover by Kirby shows uh, his his young. Uh, the young boy from the first issue who is uh jed he's sleeping but he's got you know some sort of a thing on his head that's monitoring him and then you know above it it must be in his dreams where the sandman is fighting some sort of uh monstrous creature and I, you know it's it, it's one my biggest problem with the cover is probably that it does the uh, the block at the top where it cuts off the artwork for the, uh, yeah. the title sequence. I, I'm really never a fan of that. I just just have the artwork continue underneath the block. The third of the cover. It's yeah, like exactly. Taking so much away. And and surprisingly, it's got a really big Jack Kirby signature on it. Really big. Which is not you know not not the norm in a in a circle. I'm thinking I I suspect that DC said we want you to do this uh, as a sales tactic. But anyway, the story opens up with the San- Sandman is in his, uh, you know, in his chambers monitoring the dream world. He's got his two uh, thugs or his two assistants, Brute and Glob, who are who he keeps in stasis cubes, uh, I guess, to protect the world from them, even though they they work with him. Uh, <laughs> and he's he's seeing that there's an emergency that nightmare nightmares have broken out of the dream stream and are overrunning the earth. Uh, but we cut from there to uh, to a strange uh, submarine kind of vehicle. You know, looks like the Nautilus from Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea, and, <laughs> and two two hooded uh, figures are coming out, and who, who are clearly labeled number two and number three. Clearly, uh, and and they they uh, they they're doing something on behalf of the Doctor, and they approach Jed. They he wakes up. His grandfather tries to protect him, but they they knock him out with some sort of a stun gun. They smack Jed and take him in the submarine to Dr. Spider, who I have to admit, as silly as he is, is kind of cool looking to me. I I saw that panel. I was like, oh, my God, what is this? I need more of this in my life. Uh, no, No insult intended to him, but if you could CGI him enough, I think Patton Oswalt could play this character. I could play this character. That's the sad thing. <laughs> he's he's got a pudgy upper body, uh, a, a weird face with shocked hair, and then a lower his lower part is kind of a uh, Captain Pike. It's on wheel. Yeah, he's Captain Pike, but he, <laughs> but he's also he also has eight eight arms that come out, eight mechanical arms. Uh, he's really weird looking. I'm gonna have to try and put a picture on the uh, on the Facebook page because nobody's gonna. Be able to not picture this. Yeah. You're not gonna be able to picture this in your mind. So they they bring him to to Doctor Spider, and he's got his kind of uh, viewing area, and then above him you could see there's all sorts of other workers with numbers clearly noted on their uniforms. Excuse me, uh, and and they're working above. Uh, he he's they said Jed has the angst meter place, places him on the twelfth level. And Dr. Spider opines it's probably because he was orphaned at a young age. Uh, they put him in the dream room where they strap him down and put the, uh, the you know, the thing on his head, like just like on the cover. Uh, and they go into his dreams 
where they see all the all the monsters that are attacking him in his dreams. And I have to say, the monsters are not particularly creative, and that's one of the areas where I thought, oh, that's not very Kirby-like. No. <clears throat> and somehow, uh, one one of the uh, one of the thugs, and it's number two, and this one kind of caught me off guard because number two you would think would be second in charge, but he's just a kind of a dopey thug anyway. Uh, <laughs> but he questions Doctor. If you're putting the numbers on the robes, then chances are they're not smart enough to know their numbers. Yeah, I guess not. Uh, he, he, you know, he questions Doctor Spider, so Doctor Spider ends up trapping him in some sort of a uh, translucent globe uh, where he releases one of the nightmare creatures from Jed's dreams uh, and says he can animate them and that they are, you know, they actually have uh, physical form and that creature eats number two. And then he, he sends make number two of them. Yes, he sends number three off to do. And number three is like, yeah, sure, you got my, you got, I'll, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll do whatever you say. Yeah, yeah. So we we come we come back to uh, Sandman. I almost said Sleepwalker. We come back to Sandman, who is uh, monitoring things and noticing that the dry, nightmare level is drastically down, and that there's a problem. Brute and Glob want to come out and help him, and he says, "No, I'll let you free if and when I uh, need you." Uh, so he Sandman goes into the dream stream. Uh, where he encounters some of these nightmare creatures and has to fight with them, and then he meets up with uh, with uh, what's it? the the wi- nightmare wizard, uh, who again is not particularly creatively drawn. He reminds me of uh, uh, like a Monty Python character, actually. <laughs> yes. Uh, and so they they discuss things and basically, ultimately, you know. Sandman has to threaten him, and then he, he kind of tells him about Dr. Spider, but tells him it's too late to do anything. Sandman goes back to his home base and then goes to the reality stream, uh, and he comes out and is basically the army is fighting all of these creatures. Uh, he has to put the, the cops to sleep so that they will let him do what he feels he needs to do to fight the creatures. Uh, and they end up tasing, a fireman tases him. It's all, all, all the first responders are attacking Sandman. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and long story short, he ends up in Dr. Spider's lab where he's being uh, strapped down and, and his dreams are being uh, played with. Uh, Glob and Brute see what's going on in their monitors and realize they have to help him. Brute admits that he had recreated the whistle that Sandman uses to release them, but he didn't let Sandman know. So True. they he, he uses that to get the two of them out. They come over, they they release Sandman and, and get him awake, but then leave before he sees them. He comes out and uh, and he ends up fighting with with the, the thugs and with uh, Dr. Spider. Uh Dr. Spider releases the nightmare creatures on him, who he fights, and then he ends up managing to wake Jed, and and the creatures go away. Uh, He goes back to Dr. Spider, who is escaping in his uh, Nautilus sub, and says, uh, I am indeed escaping. You have won the first round, Sandman, but have no fear. We shall meet again. And then the sub explodes. So they even say, is Dr. Spider really dead? Only time will tell. Oh, so geez. clearly they plan on bringing him back. And then we f- finish up with Sandman in his lair with Glob and Brute in their uh, 
in their in their containers, and he's saying, "I sure could have used your help tonight, but I forgot oh, to whistle boy. you in all the excitement." And they're they're they're, they're you know it's kind of like the do 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 do. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> I love the expression on Glob in the last panel. <laughs> uh, what the hell is this book? Yeah, you know, I'm I've been trying to think since since I read this for today, I've been trying to think if I pick this up as a you know like a twelve year old, is it something that would that I would find interesting? Is it you know would it be escapism that would be cool to me? And I don't really have an answer. <laughs> it's I I don't know what I would think of this. I I love Kirby. I love Kirby Tech. I love Kirby Crackle. I love Kirby Swirly Swirl Design. Like I love all that stuff, and I love how crazy and weird his stuff gets. And they they desperately wanted this to be that, and I ju- I just wasn't feeling it. Other than the design for Doctor Spider, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, but Doctor Spider does not feel like a Kirby creation. No, no, he doesn't. It, he's he's had. fun because he's just so messed up looking. Yeah, the the design makes zero sense, and that's why I like it. I mean, it's were they trying to do like half? It's, there's a little bit of the Mole Man in there, but not really like it's so weird <laughs> he's, but he is the uh the high point of this book yes. no question uh sandman sandman reminds me like i picture uh what's his name birdman attorney at law <laughs> yeah his, i mean his costume really, is, he, is 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 nasty looking i think that's oh that's a it works for iron man because the yellow is in kind of a limited capacity but here it's like oh boy oh boy primary color overload <laughs> <laughs> like i said that you know this was something i had picked up the first issue as a kid and i i kind of dug it uh and it's kind of disappointing i think even as a kid i would have been thinking this is a little too over the top you know, you know what? Uh, Doctor Spider reminded me of. Uh, do you remember when DC had the had this the comedy se- comic series or funny book series Plop? Um, I don't think I've ever read Plop. If if you ever look at it, every cover had kind of like a a weird character. Uh, you know, and and it was a Doctor Spider type character. Every one of them, and okay. that's what this makes me think of. If you if you ever get a chance, you know, just. Just do a quick Google search for plop covers. <laughs> <I'm> nervous. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put DC Comics plop. Oh, okay. There we go. Do yourself a favor. Yeah, you don't want to. <laughs> you don't want to do the the NSF for work. Okay. Uh, or and yeah, whatever. Uh, the life. Yeah. 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 DC. Yeah, I just did a quick one. DC plop comic is uh, what comes up. And, and and if you do the images, you can see all the covers. And Dr. Spider looks like he'd fit right in on those covers. All right. Uh, but, you know, it, it's just, it's it's hard to look at this one and, and keep a serious face. So I think you got to kind of look at it from the silly point of view. I think this is really trying to appeal to a 12-year-old. Um, I just don't know if I would have appreciated it as a 12-year-old either. So for me, I'm going to say, you know, the Kirby cover is fairly decent. Uh, it's not, not, not one of his best, but it's, 
if if I had you know if I had issue one and I saw this one on the stands, I would pick it up. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to say it's a B minus. Uh, the interior art is attempting to be Kirby like, but it's just doesn't have his level of imagination. Is really what it comes mm, down no. to, or craftsmanship for that matter. Uh, I'm going to say it's acceptable for what it is, and that's all. So I'm going to just give it the average C. Uh, and the story is just batshit crazy. Uh, I, I honestly don't know where to go to the, with the story. Uh, I'm trying to think about it from the, okay, you know, what kind of rating would this get for a 12-year-old? And I'm going to put it at a C. I could see a 12-year-old sitting and reading it, you know, you're... you're you know, you're in a store and you say, sit there while I take care of whatever to your son. And you give him that comic. I could see him sitting there reading it. Uh, but I can't see much more than that. Uh, maybe a 10-year-old, actually. I think 12 might be too old. Uh, anyway, uh, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just put it at a C also. And I'm going to give the book a C. It's, it's, it's fine for what it is, but it's just too weird. Uh, a quick question before I, I give my ratings. Was... Did the costume look better in the issue in, in issue one with Kirby doing the the interiors? The costume looked like it does on the cover. Okay, so it's still not his. The colors best are still design. garish. Way too garish. Um, I can't believe I'm saying that. Who wants more color in his superhero movies? But uh, yeah, it's 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 a that's an eyesore of a of a combo in that uh, ratio. <laughs> And it's it, the the helmet is that you know the cowl is is boring. Uh, I would expect more from from Jack. Um, the Kirby tech on the cover looks great though, um, and I do like the uh, I did like how they they didn't do the um, the outlining on the uh, the monster, so it looks almost three dimensional. That's a neat effect. Uh, but yeah, the cover I don't think I would be the cover wouldn't wouldn't sell me on picking this up as a kid. I don't think. Um, especially since a third of it is trade dress um, and a sleeping kid with Kirby eyebrows. Eh. Then you get the middle of what's actually rendered as is this guy fighting a monster, but it's not Kirby's most dynamic thing. Uh, the cover, uh, I'd probably go even lower just because of the trade dress. I'd, I'd actually go with a D on the cover and I can't believe I'm giving a Kirby cover a D, but um, it's, yeah, it's, it's not great. Uh, interior, um, other than how the, the goofy delight I got from uh, Glob, Brute, and Dr. Spider, uh, the rest of the art is is not great. Um, I did I did like the, the designs for those three characters. At least they're interesting. Um, <laughs> and I actually was looking at them when they were on the, on the page. Uh, interior art, um, yeah, a C. I mean, it's, it's mid-70s house style d not even house style but sub house style dc um yeah the monster looks better on the cover than it does in the issue which is that's not great um and then the story it's it's hard for me to give a letter grade for this story because one it's so weird and i didn't read the first issue i mean i i kind of get what what this guy's about he protects people from nightmares (laughs) um but uh, it's Man, it's weird, um, and it, it, it's it, and I like weird stuff, but this is weird without context, which is which makes it more difficult. Um, I think if this whole issue had just been Glob Brute and the Sandman talking about issue one, I probably would have enjoyed it more. 
Uh, but then I wouldn't have Dr. Spider. I, I have to, I gotta give the story a D too. Like, I, and maybe that's just me being a little bit older. Um, so I'm just, I'm looking at it with my eyes now. Um, I, I, yeah, this is a low pass. I, I think this is a D and, and, and I, I don't like being that negative about stuff, but, um, yeah, this was just too much mishmash and, and weirdness without without context for me. Um, I'm sorry, Jack. I know this is one of your guys, but I, I, I I'm not I'm not interested in, in finding out more about this character. So let me I would just put it that way. I mean, unless you tell me that what they used him for in the, the newer Sandman run is interesting, that might maybe get me to take a look at it. But I, I would not pick up issue three. I so. do not disagree with you, and I was already thinking, next time you come home for the Sleepwalker Corner, I'm not doing issue three. Because uh, <laughs> if, if, if this had been a better read, I think I would have gone with that. But right. it really, you know, it really wasn't, so I'm not going to force it. Um, yeah, it's, it's I, I don't know what they did with it in the modern uh, crossover. Well, you know what? I'm I'm kind of, I'm actually kind of curious about that. If we can wrangle up that that issue where where this version gets introduced into the modern modern age, I'd be kind of interested to see how they play him in because there's an interesting concept there. It just wasn't taken advantage of here, but against the backdrop of a more serious Sandman, it might be interesting. So. It, it, yeah, it could be. It could be played well. I, I get the feeling, and I do not know this for a fact, but I get the feeling it was more of a little, you know, like more of a sly reference to it than it was, oh, okay. a you know, a, uh, a a strong crossover. Okay. So I I, I doubt it was uh, I doubt it was something that's going to make you want to go back to this. All right. <laughs> so, but you know, next time around. I may, I may just run with whatever, or I may say, let me try and find something else that'll create a theme episode with Sleepwalker. I don't know. <laughs> that remains to be seen, and that's the mystery for everything. But in the meanwhile, I want to thank you for coming on and doing an episode with me. Um, oh, always, always happy to be here. It's always my pleasure. And uh, thank everybody for listening, and hopefully you'll come back next week and see what we have to show you. Bye-bye. Sweet dreams. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at bins at twotruefreaks.com or by joining the Back to the Bins group on Facebook. Back to the Bins is a proud affiliate of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is a registered trademark of DiManzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Please take a moment to stop by the twotruefreaks.com site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week. Commander, signal the following in all languages and on all frequencies. We surrender.